Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia, for he whom thou wast privileged to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia, for the Lord has truly risen, alleluia. Let us pray. O God, who gave joy to the world through the resurrection of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, grant we beseech thee that through the intercessions of the Virgin Mary, his mother, we may obtain the joys of everlasting life through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade. This will be the last day of the week that we'll recite the Regina Chaley since it's the end of Easter week. We're going into Easter tide more generally here in the United States, but I think for most of the world it, it wraps up this Sunday with Low Sunday, uh, the uh, sort of anticlimax. Uh, and in fact, it's in the East they call it the Antipasca, the, the opposite, the, the uh, mirror of, uh, of the Pasque. Uh, it's also called St. Thomas Sunday for reasons that we'll discuss on Monday, I think. But uh, today is, the, uh, is the, the Friday after the resurrection, which is an interesting sort of day because it's a Friday. It's a sorrowful mystery. It's a day for reflection upon the crucifixion. But it's a Friday in Easter week following the resurrection. And therefore it's a mixture of the reflection on the sacrifice which is the focus of our faith and also a reminder of the reward the answer Bishop Sheen says the crucifixion posed the question and the resurrection provided the answer and so on this Friday after Easter we have sort of the fullness of the faith to think about Today's a very good day to pray for the deceased, and so I'm glad to have an intention for us to pray for today. Uh, we have, uh, James has passed away. Uh, he is the, a relative of one of our listeners, uh, and he passed away to join um, his wife of many years, who passed away this year as well, uh, within the last year, uh, 2020. We're still fairly early in 2021. So the two of them have passed away. Both of them, I believe, are outside the Roman Catholic Church, but there's no reason for us not to pray for them. As we talked about yesterday, when we talked about praying for the dead, there's no one to pray for the dead anymore, or rather people seem not to do it. And those who do not pray for the dead, it's usually the dead they would have prayed for that need those prayers the most. So I want to pray for the repose of the soul of Jim and for his wife as well. If you have any intentions, any comments, any questions, anything at all that you'd like to send in to us, you can send that in to requests at protonmail.com. That's Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, and requests in the plural at protonmail.com. And I will be delighted, overjoyed even, to pray your intention here with everyone who's listening in. And as we continue to grow, that'll be more and more people that pray with you. And the beautiful thing about prayers is they're eternal. You run into somebody who wrote down a prayer intention a hundred years ago and you pray for that intention, your prayer has efficacy. I'm fairly certain that's true, but since I don't have teaching authority in the church, I'll say that if it's not true and if I'm transgressing against the teaching of the Holy Church, then revoco, I recant. But I am 
I have a reasonable degree of certainty, enough to convict someone in court, that it is true that our prayers entering eternity have efficacy uh, regardless of when they're offered. At any rate, that's all the more reason for you to send in your prayer requests here to requests at protonmail.com. For now, let's turn our attention, our minds, our hearts to God and pray our, da- our daily decade for Jim and for his wife. And today is a Friday, of course, so we'll be praying in Latin today. In nomine Patris, Ephidiates, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificator nomen tu, adveniat regnum tu, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panam nostrum quotidianam da nobis hodie, et dimidi nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimidimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, nominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, Nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, Gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. 
Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicur erat principio et nunc et semper et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia, vita dulcedo et spes nostri. Salve. Ate clamamus exulis filia hevi, ate suspiramus gementes et flentes in hac lac romanum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilus tuos misericordes oculos ad nos converte. Et iesum beatum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. O clemens, o pia, o dulci virgo Maria. Ora pro nobis, sancta Dei genetrix. Ut digni officiamor promissionibus Christi. Paremus. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Requiem eternam dona e Ea, ei, Domine, et lux perpetua ei lucit, et requisat in pace. To thy servants, to thy servant and handmaid, James and his wife, O Lord, grant a place of refreshment, light, and peace. May their deaths have been Christian deaths, painless, blameless. And may they have a good defense before the dread judgment seat of God. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who with you liveth and reigneth, and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in our daily struggles, battles, against temptation, against sin, against vice, against habit. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Zerri Nobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Zerri Nobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Adveniat Regnum Tum. In nomine Patris, Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, here we are. We're final. We are at the end of Easter week. Not a particularly long week for me. I hope it hasn't been for the rest of you. Well, 
On the other hand, I rather hope it was a long week. The longer we dwell in the east in Easter tide, the more graces we can get from it. I hope it was a rewarding week. And all the blessings of God and the grace of the season are, are upon you. For those of you who are in the United States, which I recently found out only makes up a little bit less than 70% of the people that listen to this, which absolutely amazes me, uh, we still have some time to go uh, through to Pentecost. I've decided to pick up and read The Imitation of Christ again uh, through Pentecost. And I suppose right about then I'll start uh, reflecting on it. And in fact, actually, I had a reflection today that was based on what I had read today. It's an interesting day today. We have, it's not a first Friday. Uh, that was wonderfully last Friday. We had a first Friday on Good Friday. What a marvelous thing that is. So we're not on first Friday, so we don't have any special devotions that are usually tied to today, and it's not Good Friday. But the Friday after Easter is an interesting time because it's, Fridays are days of penitence. That's why we abstain from meat. They are days on which we remember the crucifixion and keep it ever before our eyes because of what Christ sacrificed, because of who Christ was, what he came to do. The entire point of the incarnation is wrapped up in that moment on the cross when he says, it is finished. It's interesting he does not say that when he rises from the dead. One would think that for, for Christians who focus exclusively on the resurrection, one would think that greater uh, emphasis would have been placed on what Christ said with the resurrection. But it's not. And in fact, we don't hear Christ speak right after the resurrection. It takes a little while for him to get among the apostles and say, peace unto you. A very generic greeting. Nothing really special about that. He says, peace unto people all the time. I mean, he's revealing himself as having resurrected, so I suppose that's a, a big enough punch in the jaw. But since we know that Christ is the Word of God, and the Scripture is the means whereby we access the truth of God's preparations for the coming of the Messiah. Of course, we have the church's teachings on all these things, but God prepared the Israelites for the coming of their Messiah primarily through the written word, through Scripture. And so speech in Christianity, and especially speech in Scripture, is incredibly important. You know, the saying is the talk is cheap. But that's not true when God's the one who's talking. Contained in every word, Christ says it. Man does not live on bread alone, action, but on every word that issues forth from the mouth of God. The word of God has greater weight than human action. A human talk, human action, divine talk. I suppose divine action is, has some weight to it as well. But the words on the cross have tremendous weight in our faith. Why is it that Christ says on the cross, it is finished? Because the cross was the entire point of what he came to do. The resurrection was not. The resurrection flowed forth from the cross. But the resurrection was not the prize. Just like the striking of the rock. 
God commands Moses to strike the rock. He does not command water to come forth from the rock. He commands Moses to strike the rock. The action is what's important. The result... Now the result is what's aimed for, but it's not as important as the action itself. It's not the teaching of God as the action. Thou shalt not. That's the word of the commandments. Well, the why is what flows forth from there. When God gives instructions to Noah to build the ark, the survival after the flood is an effect of building the ark. The resurrection is the effect of the crucifixion, is not the primary focus of our faith. Christ is risen, yes. But Christ had to die in order to trample down death. Coming back from the dead, that was the, that was the afterglow, so to speak. That was the triumph. People think triumph is a great thing, but triumph doesn't come without battle, and the battle is what's important. Not only that, but triumph itself is a celebration of the victory won. The victory is not, the triumph is not the victory itself. Roman uh, commanders who were given the honor of a triumph were given it because of their accomplishment, not because, not at the, it was not the victory itself. We call it a great triumph. What does that word mean? When we say something is a great triumph, we don't mean to say it's a great victory. We mean to say that it is a, a parade of the victory. It is a basking in the glow of the victory. And that is what the resurrection is. The resurrection is Christ's triumph over death. It is him and all of us enjoying the effect of what he has accomplished. That's why in the Apostles' Creed we say he was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. The harrowing of hell, the trampling down of death by death, well, this is commemorated in the East. The, the Byzantines sing a, a hymn. Uh, I have to think of how it goes now. It's been some time, but... Um, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. That's the hymn they sing. Uh, that's and it's that's that takes place on on Good Friday, not on Easter Sunday. And so today, a Friday after Easter really marks a particularly a fullness of the celebration of the faith because we're in Eastertide we're enjoying the result of the resurrection we are blessed with all the graces of the season and yet we're remembering what gave us that it is a moment for us to reflect upon the cross and to reflect upon all the glories that the cross has with it. And we've referred to, in the West in particular, we referred to the glory of the cross. And in the East as well, there's a, there's a, another prayer, a Russian prayer, uh, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, uh, let them that hate him flee from before his face. Uh, as smoke vanisheth, so let them vanish. As wax melteth before the fire, 
so that the demons perish before the sight of the divine cross. I think it's the. It, it goes on further than that, but it's. Uh, I, I can't remember the rest of it. But the cross is given unique power. This this tree. It has become a tree of life. It's God taking death and turning it into the tree of life. It is God finally giving us access to the tree of life of Eden, but in its fullness, so that we might share in the second life, just as there is the second death. And so this is a wonderful opportunity for us to reflect on that and to pray, in, to offer a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer of reparation since our theme this week has been prayer. I didn't plan it that way, it just kind of happened that way. And now I've realized, you know, I'm a good, I must be a good 10 minutes into this thing, and uh, I've just realized I didn't talk at all about what I was planning to talk about. We focused instead on Friday and the cross. But I, I really wanted to talk about, and maybe I've got time to do it, I think I do, I wanted to talk about who was at the foot of the cross. On Good Friday, we were able to focus on who's on the cross. But the Friday following Easter, we could turn our attention back to the cross, back to the crucifix, back to the work that's being done, and look at those who are around the cross and think about their attitudes and postures towards the cross and what they come to, what they come to be. Each of them receives a certain reward for piercing the side of Christ and confessing his, uh, his sanctity. Saint Longinus was rewarded with martyrdom for her faithfulness to Christ up to the end, even at the feet of the cross, even at the foot of the cross. Saint Mary Magdalene was rewarded by being the first person to see Christ resurrected. And St. John, uh, the beloved disciple, was given a similar gift. He was able to see Christ after. And John was given a second gift in addition to this. He was the only of the apostles who was considered to have shared in the martyrdom of Christ, the true proto-martyrdom of the cross, to such an extent that he was spared death and there is even a popular tradition that he was caught up into heaven after he died. He was not granted a deathless assumption in the way that the Blessed Virgin Mary was, and that's dogma. And St. John is not dogma, but uh, he himself in his gospel denies that the belief that he would not taste death until the second coming. But there was a popular belief that grew up around him that he would not taste death, he would not die until the second coming. And so he is, uh, in many traditions, occluded. Uh, which is, it, it's, it's a tradition that is not, of, I think, formally approved by the church. Occlusion occurs in one other place, and that's with the imams of uh, Shia Islam. So it, it has a broad appeal outside of Christianity. It is very mystical. Anyway, he was rewarded with long life and natural death rather than martyrdom. His exile on Patmos allowed him to record the revelations that were given to him of the end of the world. So he was given that unique task. He was also given the task of caring for the Ark of the Covenant until she was called home. That's our Blessed Mother Mary. 
Uh, she was at the foot of the cross, and she was rewarded for all of her faith as well. She shared in that crucifixion in a way that no one else could. And the pain that she experienced there, deeply seated in her, in her own faith. For you'll notice that she did not go to the tomb on Sunday, as the others did. In fact, after the being at the foot of the cross, she vanishes again. She's waiting. She knows what's coming. She has perfect faith in God. And her perfect faith was rewarded by the bodily assumption. The faith of St. Dismas, which many believe was an outgrowth of prayers offered by the Blessed Mother, gains him paradise the very day he dies. He is the first person led into heaven. The harrowing of hell takes place and all the righteous are burst out of the gates and fly to the, to before the face of God in heaven. Christ leading them. It's a beautiful icon of the resurrection that shows that. But Dismas, Dismas went on ahead. This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Dismas was given the gift of accompanying Christ. He followed him from the cross to hell and back to hell before the throne of God. Now, of course, the other thing is when we say hell, what we're referring to is we're referring to the, the bosom of Abraham. We're not referring to the depths of hell, uh, the, the bowels of hell, Gehenna, the fires that burn and consume and were prepared for the devil and his angels. Uh, we're, we're talking about where the righteous were not permitted to enter the kingdom of God until the coming of Christ. So, Christ harrows hell, Dismas with him, that's his reward. And everyone else re receives their own rewards in their own turn. The Pharisees and Sadducees, indeed the, the broad swathe of the Jews, earn their own reward as well. Their temple's destroyed, their capital is raised to the ground, the earth is salted, it's treated as though... The Romans, in their history, exacted total destruction upon only two cities in their broad history. Only twice did the Romans do this. The first time was upon Carthage, where the sacrilege of the sacrifice of children fed into the mouth of Tanit, their demon goddess. Carthage, Rome was used as an instrument of God to destroy the Carthaginians in the last vestige of the Phoenician Satanism. The city was razed to the ground. Not one stone left upon another, not one person left alive. And upon it a small Roman colony was planted. The exact same thing was done to Jerusalem. The entire city razed to the ground. The fields made unplantable, the people slaughtered, driven forth, refused return. And the tiny little colony of, uh, I think it was Capitolina, Aeolia Capitolina, Aelia Capitolina, was planted on the destroyed city. Carthage and Jerusalem, the only two places the Romans were ever used as instruments of God in that way. They got their reward as well. 
And so the cross carries its reward according to how we position ourselves around it. And so when we pray before the crucifix, our prayers, our posture, spiritually, and I mean, not figured, not, not, not physically, whether you're standing or kneeling doesn't really affect whether or not you're going to receive just punishment. Although, before a cross, I certainly would recommend kneeling. But our posture of spirit reflects the way in which we look upon the cross, the kind of spectator we are, as Bishop Sheen put it. For each spectator is rewarded according to their faithfulness to Christ. And today, especially, there's a... Well, I won't go any further than that. That seems like a good enough place for us to sort of wrap things up. But I will say our prayer. And my prayer today is that we will sufficiently reflect upon where we stand in relationship to the cross. And that we will, like the Blessed Mother who stood at the foot of the cross and prayed, always be filled with the pain of the cross. Even when the joy in our hearts is irrepressible. And that we will be able to, like our Blessed Mother, pray without ceasing. And even in the depths of our sorrows, in the depths of the sorrow of the cross, rejoice evermore for the triumph that is coming from the victory on the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.